our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. This is God's word. So fast forward, um, the angel Gabriel has visited Zechariah while Zechariah is in the temple offering prayers on behalf of the nation and says, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son. And Zechariah says, she's way old, way too old to have a son. And he says, shut up. And he shuts up. Okay. Um, and, and this son will be great before the Lord. Okay. And then imagine that Elizabeth in her old age actually does get pregnant, just like the angel said. Then the same angel comes to Mary and tells her the same sort of thing, except Mary, your son, well, Elizabeth's son is great. Your son will be greater. He will sit on David's throne in David's city and reign over Israel forever. And, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so after hearing this, as one does, Mary goes to the hill country to tell Elizabeth what's happened. Okay, a little, little gab session there. And, she, and, and this is what she said, right? They meet, they talk, and she says, He who is mighty has done great things for me. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And so uh, for the next three weeks, this week, next week, and, and the 26th, we're going to look at Mary's song here, okay? What, what's traditionally called her, her magnificat, the magnific, magnification. And so this week, uh, verses 46 through 50, uh, got the, the proper response to God's words and, and to God has done, and then also look at who God occupies himself with, okay? The, the creator of the, the heavens and the earth, who gets his attention um, in all of this stuff. Then next week, we're going to look at Mary's uh, prophetic announcement uh, uh, that the day of the Lord will actually come. It will certainly come, and, and she knows it. And then to close it out, right before the children's nativity, uh, we're going to look at why Mary is so certain about these things. Why she can speak with such confidence as she remembers and puts her hope in, in God's covenant promises, the promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses, um, and on. Okay? Three weeks. So, what is going on here? Why is Mary breaking out in song like this? Okay, now... There are humans here, which means there are moms here, okay? We came from somewhere, all right? Now, moms, when you found out you were pregnant, I'm sure you were filled with, like, a mixture of fear, probably. Like, oh my gosh, there's a human inside of me, okay? And then also elation, right? Like, oh, there's a human inside of me, okay? So kind of, I, I don't know, I don't pretend to know. That's what I think, though, how, how you felt, that, that moment, probably, you, you get pregnant, you're like, whoa, like this is, there's a lot going on here. But did any of you, and be honest, when you found out you were going to have a child, did you do this? Like, did you break out in song, maybe song, uh, about God's covenant promises to Israel and his acts in the day of the Lord? Is that what came out? Probably not, which is fine. You know, it'd be weird, I think, if you did. <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know how they do it now. In the movies, you, you pee on the stick. And then, did you go, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones? <laughs> no. I, <laughs> right. If you did, you are well-versed in the scriptures and good head on your shoulders. Okay? So why does Mary do this? What, what is different about Mary's life and Mary's context that causes her to erupt this way? Like, not just... Like vague joy and happiness, but like specific things that she 
says. Okay, well, well, obviously, one of the reasons she reacts is because all this miraculous stuff is going on around here. Zechariah gets an angelic visit. She gets an angelic visit. Obviously, the Lord is at work here doing stuff, especially since it's Gabriel. Because if, if you read your Bible, Gabriel only, he's like important and only shows up at like real important stuff. It's like, oh, it's Gabriel. Something big um, is about to go on. So that's one reason, but I think based on the content of her song, the main reason that she erupts has to do with the story of God's covenant with Israel and how the story's worked out so far. Okay, like where they're at in history, and and we're going to look at this uh, more over the next two weeks, but just quickly, Israel's story, God takes uh, Abraham out of their 70 nations, he takes Abraham says, you're going to be mine. And he he promises him that that his family, through his family, all the nations will be blessed. All right, Genesis 12, 15, 17. Isaiah picks up this language to Abraham and says, Israel, you're going to bless the nations and you're going to be a light to the nations. And we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, city on a hill, right? Lamp lamp on a lampstand. Included in this covenant, and this is really important to, to Mary's context, included in the covenant is that Abraham's descendants are going to dwell over on that piece of land in peace forever. All right, that's, that's really important to Abraham. Then God promises David, 2 Samuel 7, that one of his sons would sit on the throne in Jerusalem and rule all the nations in righteousness. And there would not just be peace in Jerusalem and in Israel. There would be peace over the whole earth. Right, The knowledge of the glory of God covering the whole earth. So at, that's, that's the story. At this time, when this angel shows up to, to this young mother, none of that's happening. <laughs> okay? You, it, you know, it's almost like God's a blowhard. Because there's lots of words being said, lots of promises being made, but you know, it's not happening. It, it's, it's not happening. So they get a king, back up, they get a king in David. And by the time his grandson shows up, so just a couple people from David, the kingdom split. Right, that's not what God told Abraham and David. They're cast into exile. Uh, they're ruled then by the Persians, five thirty nine to three thirty one. Then Alexander the Great shows up, bad guy. Okay, bad guy. He shows up. He wants everyone to act like Greeks. He succeeded because we are doing that. Uh, then the, the Ptolemaic Empire arrives, and then the real bad boy of, of the, the the Greek Empire shows up. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, okay, he's a real bad dude, and so what's going on in the story is Israel is under the thumb, not of a Davidic king, all right, not of of a a messianic king, but of, of a Greek king, this is not how the story is supposed to go, well, Rome is next, who's bigger and badder than Greece, and Rome wants this Greek king, Antiochus, to send them money, And pay tribute to us because we are awesome and you are not, as empires do. So Antiochus doesn't want to get destroyed by Rome. So he's like, i got to get riches to send to the Roman king. Where does he get the riches? He goes into Israel's temple and takes Israel's riches, right, part of the promise to Abraham, and sends them off to Rome. Is the story going well for Israel? No, not at all. Like, God is a liar in this regard. This is not great. And it's not what God promised Abraham. It's not what God promised David. It's not what the prophets have been prophesying about for all these years. Okay. And then on top of this, um, the need to make everyone Greek, and we don't really like these Jews doing their thing. uh, Antiochus in 168 says, you know what? You guys have this temple dedicated to Yahweh and you're worshiping Yahweh and you're doing it Jewishly and you're following the law of Moses and all this stuff. 
I'm going to show you guys that Yahweh is not great, but Zeus is great. And so he takes the temple and he says, this temple is a temple not to Yahweh, but to Zeus. And to prove that and get you guys out of here, I'm going to sacrifice a pig on the altar of the temple. Now, if you know anything at all about Judaism, you know that's very, 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 very bad. Okay? Gentiles, we appreciate bacon. This is an abomination. Okay? To take this pig, sacrifice it on the altar in the temple. All right? Well, next you get the Hanukkah story. Did you guys enjoy Gloria's Hanukkah pancakes a couple weeks ago? Okay, that's that's what comes next. So this happens, and for four years, this group of, of zealous Jews, led by a guy named Judas Maccabee, they fight back. They say, "You're gonna, you're not gonna do that to the temple, right?" Kind of like uh, uh, David, you know, like you're not gonna insult our God like this. And they come and they fight back and they win. This group out in the desert comes into to the city and beats the Romans, which is a big deal, because beats the Greeks, okay? And, and in victory, Judas rides into the city, and you know what the people say? Hosanna, our king, is coming. Which, <laughs> okay? He comes in, he purifies the temple, and he sets up a new dynasty and a new priesthood, and things are looking okay for Israel, at least better than they were. Okay, well, we've got the temple. We have priests in the temple. They're not really priests, but we'll work with it. Well, 80 years after this, um, things don't go so well. Because what happens when you don't obey the Lord and you do your own thing, you start to look just like the culture. And this is what happens to these priests. They're in the temple, but they're starting to look like the Greeks. They're starting to, to be um, Hellenized. And then, 60 years before Jesus is born, 60 years before Gabriel shows up, Rome says, you know what, we're done with the Greeks, we're done with uh, Israel being in charge there, and Rome crushes the, the dynasty set up by the Maccabees, takes over Israel, and the promises of God to Abraham and to David still aren't fulfilled. That's a long history lesson to say, like, if you're Mary here, you're like, what is God doing? Is he a liar? Are the stories that we've heard about... Adam and, and Noah and Moses and David and the prophets, are they not true? Because it doesn't look true. They're under Rome's heel. They're, they're longing for the kingdom to come. They're longing for a Davidic Messiah to come and make all the promises come true. Like that's what's at, at, at stake here. And so if that's the story that you're living in, You've got thousands of years of history. You've got recent history where Rome has come in and taken over your kingdom. And, and you're a people and a nation with promises unfulfilled. When the angel shows up and announces that the king that you've been waiting for is actually in your belly, this is what you sing. And then you go to your Elizabeth relative, your, your relative Elizabeth, and you find out the same thing that the angel said to you. He also said to her, and he's doing that bit there like you would if you were Mary. Say, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Like, oh Lord, you haven't forgotten your promises. You didn't lie to Abraham. You didn't lie to David. You're really going to do the whole thing. And right now it feels like we're forgotten. feels like you're a liar. But I've got this going on right now. And I know that you're not. That's why she rejoices. That's why she, she does Proverbs um, 34. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Oh, let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The same response that we get in Hannah's song. Okay, so back in, in 1 Samuel, Hannah um, was told that she too, she couldn't have a son. She's told by a prophet, you will have a son. And just 
for the next three weeks, uh, if you read Mary's song and Hannah's song, they're the same song. Okay, like Mary gets all the credit, but Hannah wrote it for you know what I mean. Okay, like she sold all the albums, but Hannah wrote the thing. All right, Hannah, when she hears that she's going to have a son, she says, "My heart exalts in the Lord. My my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation." So Mary hears the words of the angel. She goes and visits Elizabeth, and she rejoices and she magnifies God. And the other characters in the story do the same thing, okay? So Mary shows up, and and what's Elizabeth do, right? It says that she is filled with the Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is that baby in your womb. What's John doing, right, little John in here? John is filled with the Spirit, and he starts doing the jumping baby bit, okay? So again, I know zero about pregnancy, um, but my, uh, my... Sister-in-law, Brenna, she just had um, her child. And the whole time leading up to that, we're getting ultrasound pictures on our family group texts, you know, like once a week. And, and uh, Deborah's probably, I don't know, this week maybe, the other sister. She's about to pop too. Um, she needs a wheelbarrow. To, um, and we're always getting pictures from them. And last week she's like, yeah, he moved around and is now is in perfect position because I guess that's important. Um, like that's what John's doing. He's just moving around, jumping around because of the announcement that God's keeping the promises. He's not a liar. Like the other, you know, the other name, like Israel, your God is a liar. And so Hannah and, and Mary and Elizabeth and John, they all hear the words of God confirming the covenant, right? Specific promises to a specific, specific people. And they hear it and they see the actions taken by God concerning this covenant, and they rejoice, like specifically, like not like awesome, like, oh, you have done this, 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 all the stuff in the covenants you're doing, okay? That, so that's how Mary's song starts, with the magnification and the worship of God because of what he has said and what he's done. That's why. Okay, so our response should be marked the same way. Okay, our rejoicing in God should be based on what he has actually done in history. Okay, so we should, when we think about God and and worship and rejoicing, we should think about past events. Like, God actually spoke and the heavens and the earth were made. And we rejoice in that. God actually sent a flood to cleanse the earth of wickedness. And we rejoice even in his judgments. God actually called and elected one family to bless all the families of the earth. And in 2021, they're still here. Rejoice. Okay? God actually sent his son in the flesh to die for the sins of all people and rise from the dead and ascend to the heavens And he sent the Spirit, rejoice. Actual, tangible, literal acts in history we rejoice in. And we rejoice in what he's doing in the present. Presence, right? Giving the Spirit to empower disciples to warn and encourage people to flee the coming wrath. Every time that happens, you should like, oh, awesome. (laughs) So, Jesus sends out the, the, uh, the disciples as go 
uh, and school the Gentiles. Go, go teach the Gentiles to, to follow me, baptize them, teach them everything that I've commanded you. Because I said I'm going to take a remnant of Gentiles for my name. That's in your Bible. Okay. Every time someone turns from idols to the living God, we rejoice because God said he's going to do that. And then when we see it done, right? And then, like, so like, that's why we try and make a baptism thing like a, whoa, big deal. Because, oh, God, you said, this is Gentile. You said you're going to take Gentiles for your name. Here's one. Awesome. Okay? Even awesome when you show up to do the baptism and the pool has leaks everywhere. <laughs> I'll remember that Easter forever. Michelle walked in the door and said, oh, okay. <laughs> we rejoice in, in what God's doing in the present. Like, this is our response. And we rejoice in what God will certainly do in the future. Resurrect the dead. Rule the nations in righteousness. Wipe away every tear from our eye. And make all things new. Those are specific things that I can bank on and, and have an anchor in and my soul magnify the Lord and rejoice in God, my Savior. This is, this is what Mary does. From now on, all nations will call me blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. From, from that day forward, Mary is called blessed. Why? Because he who is mighty has done great things. That's what she says. They will call me blessed because of this. It, it's, it's worship of God, it's magnification of God, based on God's words and acts in the past and in the present and in the future, okay? So this is really helpful to you, because I, I, um, we, we tell people, hey, like, pray, <laughs> worship God, and you put someone with no background into that situation, they're like, okay, I should pray and worship. And they do the, have you got, you guys have all seen Elf nine million times. Okay, so you know when he's like, uh, he wants to sing a song. He says, I'm, I'm in a store and I'm singing and I'm in a store and I'm singing. And he doesn't really know what he's singing about, but he's just singing. Okay, believers do the same thing when we worship. Like, we're not sure, like, holy, good, love, awesome, we're not really sure what's going on there, okay? Unless you're super spiritual, then you can just say holy, holy, holy all day long, and it's fine. But for normal people, we need an anchor to grab onto and an actual thing to respond to in worship. Does that make sense? Okay, so like just as an example um, of this, Exodus 15, God delivers Israel through the Red Sea. And what is their song? Miriam grabs her tambourine and they sing, God, you are awesome and we love you. Is God awesome? Yes. Do they love God? Yes. With their, all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. 100%. But when God delivers them through the Red Sea, Miriam grabs a tambourine and says, the horse and his rider, he's thrown into the sea. The horse and his uh, the Lord has triumphed gloriously. Actual worship based on actual acts. A real response to a real thing. Like, I, this isn't a great example because we got a lot of idol worship here. But you go, to the, you go to the game, and I'm dating myself here. You go to the game. Obviously, we love Russell Westbrook. Just seeing him is, was great. We rejoice when he smashes it on someone. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's normally sitting, watching him, being there. 
And then when he just ends someone's life, we stand up and we shout and because it's just normal. The Lord has acted and I rejoice based on that actual act. That's what Mary's doing. That's why it's so specific because she's responding to a, a specific uh, event. And so just a practical application for this. If you want your heart to be alive and like spring loaded to worship, okay, which is that's a good want. I would just say, like, dial yourself in to the, to the Bible story, okay? Because when you have a grid for history, right, you got the timeline in, in your heart and mind, and it's based upon words and promises that God has spoken, when you see those things starting to play out, your heart comes alive. Because you say, oh, God, you said you're going to do this, and I just watched it happen. And you're, you know what I mean? Like, it's an actual, not, again, I, I think... Uh, contemplative prayer and, and, and soaking worship is good. I think that's good just to sit there and say, God, I love you, I love you, I love you. Holy, worthy, you know. I think that's good. Don't. But I'm saying for normal people to have worship based on something actual and tangible that you saw, not just the amnes and omnes about God, but the actual things that he's doing, that's just normal. Rust smashes, I'm out of my seat. Even though he's a Laker. No offense, Keith. You know. Like, okay. Hannah and, and Mary and Elizabeth and John, they respond like they did because they're in the story. It's in their guts and they know where God is taking history. And so even though they're under Rome's heel and they've got all of this kind of promises that look unfulfilled, this angel shows up and Mary, you know, drops this banger. Just, it's wonderful. Okay. So, Mary's song is the proper response to the confirmation of God's words. We rejoice in God's actions. Okay, that, that's all bonus material. Um, the main aspect of her song that I want to emphasize today uh, is the heart of God in the equation here. And the heart of God seen in, in, in the whole Bible, but in Mary's story specifically, is that God is a lover of the lowly, and God is a lover of the downcast, and God occupies himself with the humble, okay? For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So the angel shows up and, and Mary says, me? <laughs> You've come to me? Gabriel shouldn't, Gabriel is, just side note, Gabriel is far kinder to Mary than to Zechariah, if you read both accounts. Shouldn't the child be born, Gabriel, like not in Nazareth? Okay, so in this time, Nazareth is, is not great. Uh, they tell Nathaniel, hey, we think we found the Messiah from Nazareth. And what does Nathaniel say? Nazareth? I won't, I won't make a joke. Um, so what's God doing? What's God doing? Instead of choosing who we would choose, okay? Because we love power and we love awesome. Instead of choosing who we would choose, like the, the Jewish leadership of the day, uh, or even the, the powerful kings that are, that are running Rome, the angel comes to Elizabeth, who is old and barren, and comes to Mary, who, who's an unmarried virgin, in Nazareth. The total opposite of everything we would do. Okay, well, it's everything I would do. 
Like, that's what God is doing. So God and one of his most important angels, okay, they're being occupied with two humble, obscure, old, one old, one young women. Like, like he's, not, he's not in the palace. The angel doesn't come to the palace. He doesn't, he doesn't, like, that's just not what's going on here. And what's their response when the angel comes? It's humility. Elizabeth said, the Lord has done this for me. <laughs> like, just, and again, like, if you read your Bible and, like, put yourself, like, a real woman, a real angel, and she just, anyway, <laughs> comes to Mary, and Mary says, he's looked upon the humble state of his servant. Okay. And, and then Mary says, okay. Let it be to me according to your word. Like, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, I guess, and you'll do your thing. Okay? And this, this is how God has always done things. This is how God is still doing things. It's how God has always dealt with his people. God doesn't look, God is honestly repelled by by the proud and the lofty. Right? Like, those that are just totally fine without him doing their thing, he's like, "Eh, you stink. You know what I mean? Like you, I don't like that. He, he doesn't come to those who boast in themselves. So Paul picks this up, 1 Corinthians 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. So he's kind of tongue-in-cheek here. The Corinthians are proud, boastful. They've got all these spiritual gifts and are like rubbing it in each other's faces. and It's not good. And so Paul's going to cut them down to size. He says, for consider your calling, brothers. Y'all aren't even very smart. <laughs> not many of you were wise according to worldly standards not many of you were powerful not many of you were of noble birth but god chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise and we read that on this side of it and go yeah god has done that he's calling them foolish it's kind of insulting you know yeah you're foolish god's using you you know, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to things that are. Why? Why does God choose Marys and Elizabeths and Nazareths? And even, guys, just like Israel, like number seven, Moses says, let me back up because you guys don't get it still. God didn't choose, number seven, God didn't choose you because you were awesome. You're you're actually the fewest of all the peoples on the earth right now. God chose you because he chose you. And he really liked your father, Abraham. And he really liked his faith. And so, even though you guys are totally not doing what Abraham did, he's still going to use you and, and work through you. God does this, verse 29, so that... No human being might boast in the presence of God. God chooses what, what, what we consider awesome. God chooses the low so that it's just obvious in the whole situation that God is the one doing the thing. God's the one moving history along, not how we would do it. God chooses what is weak. God chooses what is low. Okay, like th- Think about the birth of the Messiah. Yeah. It's not great, okay? It's all births terrifying. I, sorry, Megan, I'm not. All births great. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But to do it, to be born where he was born, how he was like low, you know, weak, small, and then he dies on a cross. 
like a criminal. Like a, <laughs> God doesn't choose as man chooses. Israel's story. Saul looks the part, right? First and second Samuel. It's kind of odd how much description they give to making sure we know Saul is really good looking. Okay. They do the same thing with, with David. Um, Acts chapter 7, Stephen, he's got an angel face. You know, it's kind of funny. Sorry. Um, Saul looks the part, but, but Saul's not the guy. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's not the one. And so Jesse brings out all the older sons, because we've got to get, get Saul out of here. And, and Samuel shows up, the prophet, and he's doing the prophet thing like, <laughs> you know, he says, it's none of these guys. It's none of the older brothers. Who else you got? And they go, well, David's out in the field, and we can go get him, Him, I guess. And, and what does Samuel say? Yeah, yeah, go get him. Even though he's the youngest and the lowest and the smallest, First Samuel 16, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's why God's showing up to Mary's and Elizabeth's. <laughs> he, he's on it. Like, if I, if, how do I say it? God is so unimpressed with you. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> God. God's proud of you, loves you, but as far as like, that guy's awesome, that's not a conversation happening. <laughs> like, And that's freeing, and it's, it's good. Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And so think about it, like if the Lord had shown up to Herod's household, which he wouldn't have because Herod's not in, in the Davidic line, but if he did, what would Herod have said? Right, the, the the Messiah, you know, he he's coming through through your your house. Herod would have said, "Well, yeah, of course, I'm awesome." <laughs> I'm Herod the Great. It's in my name, man. Instead, the Lord comes to a despised town, to an insignificant girl, and says, "Hey, like you have the Lord's attention. Not the kings of the earth, not not the leaders in the temple. You, Mary, who are, are meek." and humble in heart. And this theme runs all the way through the Bible, but especially in Luke's account. So if this week, if you just sat down and read all the way through Luke, you'll find out God is always concerned. God always is giving attention to the downtrodden and the outcasts, to, to the poor, to the tax collectors, to, to sinners, to the Samaritans, to Gentiles. And Luke makes a big deal about women. Like Luke is the woman's gospel. It's, he's always coming to them. Mary's song in Luke is about God lifting up the humble and filling the hungry with good things. It's, it's to a barren and humble uh, woman that God manifests himself to. It's to the, Luke 13. Those who are last are actually going to be first into the kingdom. Jesus' first sermon, uh, Luke 4, is announcing that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed him okay, to preach good news to who? The poor. And give freedom to who? Prisoners. <laughs> Sight for the blind, release for the oppressed. When um, John the Baptist goes into prison and he's, is Jesus really the guy? Because I'm in prison now. When the Messiah shows up, things are supposed to get better, but I'm in prison. My head's coming off in a little bit. Can you guys go ask Jesus so we can double check, make sure he's the guy? And Jesus sends the disciples back to John in prison and he says, You tell John, okay, not scolding, okay, loves John. Tells him, Tell John that. The blind and the lame and the lepers and the deaf and the dead and the poor are receiving down payments now, deposits now of the age to come, of the resurrection when the Messiah will rule and make all things new. This, like, this is who God is. 
This is what he does. And so if you are lonely or, or downcast or seemingly unimportant or you're just sad, that's who you are. You're in the crosshairs of Israel's God. I don't, if you had a sniper, it's on you. Right? This is what he's doing. You're, you're the kind of person that the Lord is going to work with and work through. And so Tonkawa, like sales, like we're, we're, we're passing them. Well, hopefully, I don't want to presume. <laughs> we're voting on a budget today. We're, we're doing officers. We're building it. Like hopefully next Christmas we're in that building. Okay? If we want the Lord to work through us, to, to make disciples through us, our goal should not be to get more awesome or get more great. Our goal should be to have humility and open hands and no boasting before God because that's who God's like. I'll, they'll, they'll work. Okay? I love you guys, but you're odd. The Lord's like, those are my people. This is who I'm going to work with and make disciples with and prepare people for the day of the Lord with. That's for those who are are small. But also for those who are low, because right there's a difference between humble and, and, and sad. For those who are, are low this morning, the Lord is coming to you in mercy. He, he's sending his spirit to you in encouragement, and he's giving you reason to magnify and rejoice in him. And I don't mean magnify and rejoice in a happy, clappy, blessed by the best way, even though everything is terrible way. Okay? That message doesn't help anyone. Though Mary is described as lowly and humble and as being the type of person that God loves to show his strength through, it did not make Mary's life easier. Okay? (laughs) She's an unwed teen mom in a culture that's far more conservative than ours. Okay? There's no television show celebrating what's going on with Mary. But because she has Israel's story in her guts, and and because her life is anchored to the promises of God, Mary can do the 2 Corinthians 6.10 thing that says, Paul's listing all the stuff, and he says, I'm sorrowful, but I'm always rejoicing. Okay, She can walk through the difficulties of the next nine months. That's sorrowful. She can walk through the difficulty of, of Joseph's death, right? Joseph's not at Jesus' crucifixion. She, she has to deal with that by herself. Sorrowful. She can walk through the difficulty of seeing her son loved and hated. Sorrowful. She can walk through the horror of seeing her son nailed to a cross. Sorrowful. And she can still walk this path rejoicing. Okay? She can still have an unshakable joy and hope in the fact that the angel really said she would have a son who would make all things new. Okay? I think the message of Mary's song and her response should, should simply serve as a reminder to all of us, but specifically to those who are downcast and lowly, that God sees. Okay? He's not far off. He's not uninvolved in what's going on. God sees, and you're not hidden from Him. For He has looked upon the humble estate of His servant, For he who is mighty has done great things for me. The point is that God really will bless the poor in spirit. And he really will work all things together for the good of those who love him. And if he did not spare his own son, will he not also graciously give us all things regardless of what right now, today, looks like? That's what I hope. I hope that's right. If I have the music team come up. So our our response today is to ask the Lord, okay, to, to, to do the merry thing and, and go low. Ask the Lord by His Spirit to, to 
Help us humble ourselves before him. Help us walk as those poor in spirit. Help us walk as those poor and, and needy. Come to him with open hands and in every circumstance. Say what Mary said. Okay, be it unto me according to your word. I've got the promise in my belly. I've got the promise from the prophets. Whatever you say, we're going to walk this thing out. And again, her life was hard. But but we know the, the future's good. Okay? It's good. So I want to read, read something from um, J.C. Ryle. It says, Let us copy this holy humility of our Lord's mother. Like her, let us be lowly in our own eyes and think little of ourselves. All are not rich, all are not learned, all are not highly gifted, but all children of God may be clothed in humility. So I want to pray into that. So if you will stand, let's pray and let's magnify the Lord. Rejoice in God our Savior. So God, thank you for um, uh, this season of, of church life where we look back on the first coming and... And set our hopes, set our, our, our uh, set ourselves towards the second coming. God, I ask that we would have the same spirit of Mary, the same spirit of Hannah, the same spirit uh, of Elizabeth and John. God, for those who are downcast this morning, God, those who are lowly, God, we ask that you would send the spirit to encourage them. You would send the Spirit to lift them up. You, you would send the Spirit to, uh, God, help them. Even though they are sorrowful, God, would you, would you give them just a steady hand and trust that things won't always be this way? Now is not always. God, you will be faithful to your promises, and we want to be part of that. We want to have humility in that. We want to be obedient in that. And so, uh, by the Spirit, come, help, fill us with the Spirit, God. Help us rejoice in this way. Magnify God in this way. And and uh, help, Holy Spirit, help. In the name of Jesus, everyone said.